When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don King writes. Don King's got one. Evan, Pete, I know as a fan that the moves we want to need to be feasible and reasonable. 2023's payroll was around $370 million. I believe the front office will try and lower that payroll from 2023 levels. Obviously, there's some contracts like Scherzer, Verlander, McCann, Nito, et cetera, that will be paid out to a player that isn't even on the team. A comfortable threshold for me right now is $325 million. Currently, the Mets have a projected payroll with guaranteed contracts of $190 million for 2024, with the rallies option being picked up and out of declining. That leaves about 135 in breathing room. That number, I don't think it includes Pete Alonso, because I think if you include a lot of the arbitration guys, that number gets a lot higher than $190 million, especially when you include the money owed to Max Scherzer and Justin Verler. I think it's more in the twos. Anyhow, we'll go through some of Doan's uh, ideas. The guys to keep, the non-tender pre-arbitration guys, keep Alonzo, $22 million, David Peterson, Joey Lucchese, DJ Stewart, Coonrod. That adds up to about $30 million, giving us $290 million payroll. That would mean guys like Drew Smith, Luis Guillorme, Daniel Vogelback, Trevor Gott, et cetera, all gone. I hate to lose Guillorme because he's a valuable piece. And that number that he's making salary-wise, like a million and a half, it's not that high. But I get it. Pre-Arby keeps Tyler McGill, Francisco Alvarez, Penn Murphy, who they just claimed, Sean Bickford, Phil Bickford, and then get rid of Sean Reed Foley. Payroll's up to 225. While I believe Alonzo is probably extended, I'd rather trade him. How about that? The Orioles are the perfect fit as they can use Alonzo as their DH first base option with Ryan Mountcastle. So he puts together a trade in which Alonzo and Beatty go to Baltimore for Heston Kerstead, D.L. Hall, and Colton Kowser. Colton Kowser was in the majors for about, I'd say, a month this past year and was absolutely brutal. That deal... That doesn't feel like enough. You're trading Pete Alonzo and Brett Beatty? That's not enough. And if you tell me, well, they can't get more, then don't trade them. I also find it really hard to compete this year if you're taking away that kind of slugger. Now, you're signing Shohei Otani to replace him? Okay, fine. Then I guess I can see it, even though you're replacing one slugger for another as opposed to building on your team. You trade Alonzo, even for a good package of prospects, very difficult to compete this year. Next, he'd make a trade for Hunter Harvey and Brandon Finnegan. We mentioned those names as potential trade targets in exchange for Mark Vientos and Dominic Hamill. So you want to trade Vientos and a starting pitching prospect in Hamill for Harvey and Finnegan. 
I don't I don't know what Vientos turns out to be. Vientos could be an interesting guy to move in the right deal for bullpen help. That actually drops the Met payroll to $225 million. That allows him this move in free agency. Starting pitching. Stearns brought up the idea of a six-man rotation. I'd sign Yamamoto to an eight-year, $200 million deal, which sounds about right. Lucas Giolito to a two-year, $30 million deal with a club option. Signed Trevor Bauer to a one-year, $10 million deal. The team could also use one more dominant reliever. I'd sign Josh Hader to a five-year, $100 million deal. And I'd add these bats. J.D. Martinez on a one-year, $15 million deal. And Jock Peterson on a one-year, $12 million deal. That brings your payroll to $303 million. Rotation of Senga, Yamamoto, Giolito, Bauer, Quintana. And then a lineup of Kerstad at first base in the Alonzo trade. McNeil at second, Lindor at short, Mauricio at third. Uh, Alvarez behind the plate, an outfield of Marte, Nimmo, Jock Peterson, J.D. at DH, and a bullpen of Edwin Diaz and Josh Hader, which is pretty good. That's it. It's it's interesting because his his allotment of funds is heavy on. Let's buy another closer. Let's buy the ace starting pitcher, which we all want in Yamamoto. But let's also buy Giolito Bauer and not really go as aggressive financially into the lineup. I mean, J.D. Martinez is probably going to cost more than $15 million. But I guess what scares me about that whole plan is, yeah, you've built a potentially dominant bullpen of Hader and Diaz. But you're taking Alonzo out of that lineup, and you're replacing him to me with two guys, one in J.D. Martinez, who was brilliant last year, but he's getting older. Like, I don't know if we're going to see J.D. Martinez repeat the production of a year ago. I know Pete is, because Pete does it every year. Jock Peterson's kind of been up and down. It's not like he's a 40-home run guy anymore, and preferably he's not going to play against left-handed pitching. So I think you did a good job with the rotation. You were very aggressive with the bullpen getting Hayter. I'm not convinced that works since Hayter is like allergic to pitching in any other inning but the ninth inning. But I do think you weaken your lineup by taking Pete out of it. And you better hit on those prospects. What do you think of that plan, Pete? Well, listen, I will say this much. I was all in on J.D. Martinez last year. I'm not in on him this year because I think he's going to cost too much. And he's with the back issue. I think he's got back issues, if I'm correct. That's what the issue. That's why I went on the uh, IL last year. But I just, I'm not as confident that he can redo what he did last year. So I'm not on that. But I do love something. And this is part of my plan. The Trevor Bauer deal, no one's talking about. I don't think you have to even give the guy $10 million. I think you can give him less and he'll sign with the Mets because I think that most teams don't want to really touch him right now. You'll get him for a steal. And that's the high risk, low, you know, or low risk, high reward type of thing. He's not going to cost a lot. And if you look at what he did the past couple of years in, in the majors before his suspension, he was one of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah, so Trevor Bauer went on this campaign to clear his name from the accusations that went on against him that caused him to be suspended for an ungodly amount of games. My view on why I wouldn't touch Trevor Bauer has nothing to do with that. He has cleared his name to a degree from the accusations, but the reason I wouldn't touch Trevor Bauer is I think like nobody in the locker room is going to want to be a teammate with him. 
Like he's not loved around Major League Baseball. And he also brings so much unneeded attention around himself that for a guy that you're buying on a one-year deal to kind of stabilize this rotation, it just brings so much unneeded attention that I think can hurt a locker room. You know, I did hear Mookie Betts, though, which was stunning. He was the one player I've heard come out talking about him positively, saying he was a really good teammate. But I've heard so much the other way about him being a pain in the ass and guys that people don't like. So my trepidation with Trevor Bauer isn't even getting into what he was accused of because he was able to, for the most part, clear himself of that. It's more that he's just a jackass. You know, and I, I don't know if I want to deal with it. I get that there's an upside. I get it. The guy was damn good when he was pitching in 2020 and parts of 2021. But for me, I just don't want to deal with it. All right, but first of all, you won't because you're not on the team. That's the first thing. Yeah, but we so deal your- with it. Just because we're not in a locker room doesn't mean we don't deal with it. Okay, but here, but here's the real deal, right? Like, I, I, every team has issues. I mean, look at Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor. You could tell me as much it's as not you the want. Same. I know it's not the same, it's but you can tell me as much. They fought in the they fought in the dugout. They fought well, they fought the, the the hallway. That's not the same as a guy in Bauer who basically most of his teammates think is just like a turd. I mean, I don't know. I don't think. Well, it's listen. All all just real quickly though. That's fond of two more seconds. There was definitely toxicity in the Mets clubhouse last year. It, there definitely was something there. Whether it was Alonzo, which we don't think that's the and case. So your plan to that is just add Bauer. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> oh, what the hell? Anyway. Yeah. Let's just They're add more bad. to it. I get you. <laughs> I mean, I don't get you, but I get you. I, I guess I kind of understand. Greg McCann, Greg's 2024 Mets offseason plan. Ah, oh, I love it. It's my favorite time of year as a Mets fan. Well, I've done this every offseason for the past 30 years. This is the first time I'm publicly sharing my offseason wish list for our favorite team. So let's get started. I'm glad that we can publicly air. Greg's offseason plan. Let me start by saying Jeff McNeil is my favorite current player. As a kid, it was Keith Hernandez. As I go to my first Mets game, which was in 1983, Mets Pirates, I still had visions of Kent DeColvey on the mound with tinted glasses and that ugly striped Pirates hat watching from the load section Chase Stadium on the first baseline. That said, and as much as it kills me, I would trade Jeff McNeil in the right deal. Just like when your girlfriend dumps you, you want the person to go as far away as possible so you're not reminded of the heartbreak. My first deal is trading Jeff and Drew Smith to the Seattle Mariners. Given the lack of pen we currently have, my return for McNeil would be relievers Justin Topa and Andres Munez. Both are solid right-handed arms and controllable for three to five years. Andres Munez is nasty. So I don't want to discount this too much because Munoz was excellent and would be a great fit for this bullpen. I have a tough time trading Jeff McNeil for a relief pitcher. That's just me. Like as good and as young as that is, I I would hesitate to trade Jeff McNeil for a relief pitcher. But hey, this guy's trading his favorite player for two relief pitchers. Oh, could I just now because it- a lot of people now are getting to this Jeff McNeil stuff, yeah. And I'm not close to that. I'm very much open, and I'm okay with that. 
because I think that you can get a second baseman somewhere else. Like someone mentioned with Merrifield. I'm not saying that with Merrifield, the guy, we also have Mauricio on the team too, that like, I know McNeil's versatility is nice, but there's other things we could do rather than put a not complete second baseman out in the, out in the outfield to play. Cause I mean, that's essentially what's going to happen. McNeil's one of those like utility guys right now. And here's the other thing is the one thing that's hurt us most last year is the bullpen. If you have an opportunity, listen, I wasn't saying Seattle. I was looking more at Pittsburgh. It's like throwing a package together to get freaking Bednar. Yeah, no, I, this is my own issue <laughs> because obviously Topa, who had a very good year last year, he's older though. So I don't, I'm not as excited about him. Munoz I'd be excited about because he's 24 years old. He's nasty as hell. Well, that would add to your bullpen and give it great depth. Jeff McNeil won a batting title two years ago. Jeff McNeil is not just a second baseman who can play the outfield. He plays the outfield damn well. And I think we're underrating what kind of player he is. So I'm open to trading him. I'm open to anything right now to improve this roster. And I think he's going to have a lot of value. And I think the Mariners are a great example of a team that would have interest in Jeff McNeil. They have an interest in acquiring a second baseman, whether it's Glaber Torres or Jeff McNeil. I'm just being honest with you, man. Bullpen help, a 32-year-old reliever, and another reliever, even though he's a lot younger, That I would do it for a starter. I'd do it for a middle towards front end of the rotation starter if it could be had. I don't know if I'm doing it for bullpen help. I know you would because you said Bednar. I, I, I don't know if I would. But, hey, Greg would, and he's a big Jeff McNeil guy. And he mentions, my heart would be broken. (laughs) Let's move on to trade number two. This trade would bolster the outfield, help with run prevention, and offer a left-handed power bat to protect Pete in the lineup. The Mets would deal Brooks Raley and Mark Vientos to the Twins for Max Kepler. Left-handed bat with pop, very solid defensively in right field. He's got one year, $10 million left on the deal. That's a very, very creative trade. And I'm good with that. As valuable as Raley can be, like I just said about relievers and not wanting to trade McNeil for two relievers, if you could turn a reliever and Mark Vientos into, not that I want to make Max Max Kepler out to be, you know, Barry Bonds or anything like that, but this team can use an outfielder. I mean, there's no question about it. And if you can get a left-handed bat with that kind of pop, 24 home runs, 36 a few years ago, solid defensively, uh, yeah, I would make that trade. I think that's a very creative trade. I sign off on that one. Now let's open up Mr. Cohen's wallet and sign some players. There you go. Let's start in the pen now that Rally's a twin. My first choice to replace him, Matt Moore. Solid lefty vet. You can get on a two-year deal. Will Smith. Well, Will Smith should be signed anyway because he's the good luck charm. Whoever has him wins the World Series. So no matter what they should sign Will Smith, Will Smith, Andrew Chafin, if available, are my fallbacks here. Bring back David Robertson on a one-year deal with a second-year team option, obviously with a full no-trade clause this time. (laughs) Then as much as you would disagree, bring in Craig Kimbrell on a one-year deal with a year-two option. Both Kimbrell and Robertson are set-up options and can close if something goes wrong with Diaz. That gives us a Diaz, Robertson, Kimbrell, Moore, Topa, Munoz, Gott, McGill, Bullpen, Yes, Miguel, he's the long man here. Proved to be good three to four inning pitcher. And then he blows up after that. Next, I'm signing Adam Duvall to be the primary DH on a one-year $9 million deal. We so wanted Adam Duvall last year. I remember that being like the last gasp 
right-handed bat. We wanted to see them add. And, yeah, I would do it again. I would do it again. Problem is, can he stay healthy? That's the biggest question with Adam Duvall. He was very good in Boston last year, 834 OPS. Now the main course. There's a few ways to look at this rotation. Obviously, Yamamoto's a must and our priority target. I would go eight years, 225 to close the deal. With that said, I agree with the six-man rotation, given we now have two Japanese pitchers. The evidence has shown so far that these guys perform better with more rest between starts. Next up, Jordan Montgomery. Four years, $100 million. I think he's going to get more. I got to tell you, I think Jordan Montgomery is getting over $100 million. Uh, but Greg goes on to say, I think he could be a potential number two and develop into a workhorse. Lastly, I'm going Sonny Gray. Wow, he is spending big. <laughs> He's getting Yamamoto, Montgomery, and Gray. Sonny Gray, too talented not to perform here, and I think his time with the Yankees may prepare him to play in better in New York this time. I'd go short-term, big AAV. How about two years, $60 million? It may be an overpay, but I don't think Mr. Cohen will mind. That gives us a rotation of Yamamoto, Senga, Montgomery, Gray, Quintana, and then Lucasio Budo as the number six, solid all around. I'm almost done, I swear. Oh, he's got more. For position players, we'll have Marte, Nimmo, Kepler, lefty uh, to right with the outfield. Duval is the backup in the outfield. Beatty, Lindor, Mauricio, Alonso Alvarez in the infield with Narvaez and Guillaume as the backups. Duval backs up at first base. Overall, it's a very solid roster with flexibility and options. And yes, no Otani. As much as as much as I love him here, I just don't see it happening. Happy offseason. Let's go bleeping Mets. All right, good job, Greg. A lot of creative ideas on that one. I I hesitate to trade McNeil for relievers, but I give you credit. You build a hell of a bullpen. That's a very deep bullpen you put together. I, I would be very surprised. As much as we love Steve's wallet, if they're buying all that. Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery, and Yamamoto, I would be stunned by that. And unfortunately, I think that kind of pitch, just specifically to the starting pitchers he mentioned, that's the kind of offseason that I just don't think is realistic. I don't. You know, I think he'll spend on Otani because he's unique, because he's a he's box office. I don't know if he's going to go out there and spend the kind of money you would take to sign Sonny Gray Jordan Montgomery and Yamamoto, but some pretty good ideas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Appreciate that email. Now, let's listen to one of our other dignitaries. How about the fine producer of the show I host every single day with Tiki Barber, Evan and Tiki, the somewhat obnoxious but somewhat lovable Loogie in the mix, Tommy Lugauer. Yo, it's Tommy Lugauer, Lugie, Evan Forced, I mean made, I mean asked if I would speak to you, the loyal Rico Bronya podcast listener, about what I would do if I were the Mets in the offseason. 
To me, number one top priority is signing Yamamoto. He's young, he's a stud, and he fills their biggest need, which is bringing in a guy to pair with Senga at the top of the rotation. That, to me, or even over Otani, this is the number one priority for Stearns, for Steve Cohen in the Mets offseason. They must, they have to, absolutely 1,000% sign Yamamoto. Number two, and this one's going to be unpopular, I would trade Jeff McNeil. As a fan, I'm sick and tired of his act. I don't want to see the guy pop up to second base and throw his helmet, throw a bat, throw a water cooler. I'm tired of it. I think they do need to mix things up a little bit in the locker room, in the clubhouse. I would trade Jeff McNeil. I think his best days are behind him. I think his skills are only going to erode as he continues through his 30s here. I would trade, and I know it's going to be unpopular because I do think he's a likable Met. I do think a lot of Met fans do like Jeff, but I would trade Jeff McNeil. Number three, They got to fill third base, whether it's internally with Beatty, with Mauricio, with Vientos, whether it's trading Jeff McNeil for a third baseman, whether it's looking at a free agent at third base, they have to figure out what they are doing at third base. Number four, I'm bringing back David Robertson. He spoke late in the year about wanting to come back to the Mets, about being open to coming back to the Mets. You have Robertson, you have Diaz, and we have what we dreamed about going into this season which is two legit dudes coming out of that bullpen, Diaz and Robertson. And of course, how could I not bring up Otani? He's the apple, no pun intended, of Steve Cohen's eye. Obviously, if he wants to play out on the East Coast, the Mets are going to offer him the most amount of money. I think he will be a Met in that case if he does want to play in the East Coast. I still think Yamamoto is the number one priority, but of course... You sign a generational player if you ever get that opportunity. And Shohei is a guy that comes around once every 100 years. He's that dynamic. You're essentially signing two players. I'm going with the assumption that after this injury, he will be back to pitching again. He's an amazing hitter. He's an amazing pitcher. He's the best player in baseball because he could do both things. But number one, and I can't hammer this point across enough, The number one priority, the number one top guy on the Tommy Lugauer Lugie list here for the Mets to go after in the offseason is Yamamoto. It's amazing. That that is the one thing every Mets fan agrees on. Yamamoto, Yamamoto, Yamamoto. How depressed are we going to be if they don't get Yamamoto, by the way? Uh, Everybody wants him. How depressed are we going to be if he goes to the Yankees? Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's... Well, there are two things to keep in mind about Yamamoto and what he wants. Obviously, the Mets could offer him the biggest contract, and I think that would give us confidence that he would come here. But there are guys out there who don't necessarily sign for the biggest contract. There are two threats that the Yankees have, two threats that they pose over the New York Mets. Number one, and this has been talked about before in the past, that there are some Japanese baseball players that don't want to necessarily share a team with another Japanese star. And it's based on a respect factor. Kodai Seng has openly said he wants Yamamoto to come here and would help recruit him. So obviously that's not an issue for Kodai, but it very well could be an issue for Yamamoto. It could be an issue for Shohei Otani. If that's the case, what can you do? I mean, Kodai Seng is on the team. You're not getting rid of him. It's not going anywhere. So if that's a real thing for Yamamoto, then that's a threat. I mean, you can't change that. The second thing the Yankees have is they have this long history, specifically with Hideki Matsui and Masahiro Tanaka, of players from Japan coming over here, 
succeeding and then kind of making that Yankee brand, which is a big brand to begin with, more impressive over in Japan than even just all the championships that they've won. So Yamamoto could be a guy who grew up with a Tanaka poster on his wall. We don't know. With the dream being of being a New York Yankee. We just don't know. You don't know the preference. So it's a real threat. I don't think we should have an arrogance, a Steve Cohen pocketbook arrogance that there's no way he would go there. And we do have to prepare for the possibility he doesn't. Now, I mentioned earlier the starting pitching market to me as a big drop off because I don't believe in NOLA. I don't believe in Blake Snell. And by the way, when I say I don't believe in NOLA, I believe in NOLA. I just think he's he is what he is. He'll give you 32 starts a year. He could also give you a four and a half ERA. I think the better options come from the trade market. We've already heard that the Brewers are willing to listen on everybody. The problem is I'm not in love with trading prospects from this organization for guys who are a year away from being a free agent. Corbin Burns is a year away from being a free agent. Shane Bieber is a year away from being a free agent. Like, yes, I love Corbin Burns. Yes, I love Shane Bieber. But am I willing to give up a treasure trove of prospects for a one-year rental? It's kind of the same thing with Juan Soto. We mentioned earlier when Sal was doing his off-season request list, Juan Soto is going to get to free agency. So you're going to give up a horde of prospects for a one-year rental in a season in which it's a year you want to compete, but it's not a, hey, we're going all in, balls to the wall kind of year. Let's get a very different perspective on this offseason from Anthony Laporte. Anthony Laporte writes, the Met offseason plan, here's what it should be. You asked, I answered. This is the plan until June 30th, 2024, where it can be adjusted depending on need. All right, so there's a plan until right around July 1st. Trade Jeff McNeil for pitching slash prospects. Okay. Number two, sign no new free agents. How about that one? That, see, that's completely different from every other Met fan. Number three, have Carlos Mendoza build a team out of what we have in the organization. Number four, have the nine potential pitchers in the system, less the injured Peterson, fill out a six-man rotation, including bullpen games. Build the team the way Houston did, from the inside. Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, Pena. Build the team the way the Diamondbacks did, on grit, guile, and effort. Do not sign any starters. Nola is a Philly and a mediocre 4.50 ERA. Blake Snell is a moron. (laughs) Remember his anti-vax statements. I don't remember his anti-vax statements. I remember him calling calling COVID the Rona, and it pissed a few people off. I remember Beningo being like, wait, this guy calling it the Rona? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, so, okay. Smell is, Blake smells a moron and he has the personality of a dork knob and would be a total New York city fail. <laughs> Do not sign an injured Shohei Otani or pouty, grumpy, under-motivated, disinterested jerk Juan Soto. This team is hamstrung by its current payroll and dead money obligations. And it does not play complimentary baseball, i.e. when they hit, they don't pitch, etc. And Buck didn't have enough energy to turn on the television last year. So 
Let's make Mendoza build a team. Let Nimmo, Lindor, and Alonzo lead a team. Build from within without the need for dominating uh, by acquiring aging, grumpy, overpaid, under-motivated, alleged superstars. Then, if things go well, you'll have the financial flexibility to pay Pete Alonzo a bucket full and co-currently by mid-season and concurrently by midseason help to get to the postseason. You said if your plan stunk, you'd mock it. You won Sonny Gray. Consider yourself mocked. <laughs> I'm not, first of all, well, I got to defend myself here. I believe, based on Sonny Gray's past comments, that his failures with the Yankees was not about New York. It was about their insistence on throwing a pitch he didn't want to throw. And by the way, in my plan, I'm not signing Sonny Gray. I just mentioned he's good. And if I could get him on a short-term big money deal, I'd be open to it. I'm not giving Sonny Gray a five-year deal. I'll tell you that right now. But would I sign Sonny Gray, not that this would happen, to that two-year, $61 million deal? I would. I think that Steve Cohen has shown he's willing to go short-term big money. So while I disagree with um, Anthony's plan, mocking my love of Sonny Gray, how dare you? Uh, here's the message Steve sends, and you could put it on the website, or and he could put it on the website. If GMs want a deal, give us a call. Agents, free agents, don't call us. We'll call you, and don't wait by the phone. Anthony in Houston. <laughs> uh, Pete, what do you think of that plan? I mean, I... <laughs> He's so wrong. It's not even funny. Like you want to build, you want to build within. We don't know who these guys are yet. Like we're sitting here talking about. Like last year, we finally saw Beatty. We finally saw Mauricio. We finally saw uh, Vientos, and we're still scratching our head. Like who who are these guys? We don't really know. And you're gonna say build within with the, the organization. Our biggest issue was last year the pitching. We have none right now. We yeah. have to go outside to get it. <laughs> Look, I, I think that Steve Cohen has shown us that he's good on the big money short-term deal, which allows you to build a farm system and build a roster with patience, but also in the short-term try to win, which he did with guys like Scherzer and Verlander. It obviously didn't work, but he has shown a willingness to have that plan. The second thing you could do as you're trying to build something is to sign guys who are young enough to long-term deals where their timeline is going to fit the Met timeline. So you're trying to win in the short term, but you're also knowing two, three years from now when Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna and Drew Gilbert and Kevin Parade and all these guys are up here, hey, that guy's going to fit this as well. I think that's the appeal of Yamamoto because he's only 25 years old. I don't think there's really an option to do nothing. And that's what he suggests. He's suggesting... Let's just not really do anything. And I don't think that smart signings could negatively affect the same long-term plan he has that we all have. Like, look, one thing I don't want to do, and maybe you could mock this, I don't think our, our last guy would, is I'm not that interested in making a trade for Juan Soto. And it's nothing against Juan Soto. It's that I want to keep my kids. I don't want to break up my farm system for someone who's a free agent at the end of the year. Now, with that said, would I trade big prospects for a guy who's got control for the next three years? That's different. That's a different conversation. I, by the way, I don't know who that guy is. 
<laughs> I mean, maybe there's somebody we're not even thinking of. Maybe there's somebody who becomes available that we're not thinking of who's got four years of team control, who's on some kind of team-friendly deal. Well, then, yes, that's the kind of trade where I'd consider moving top prospects. But for guys who are free agents at the end of the year, as much as Shane Bieber and Corbin Burns and Juan Soto would help this team, I would agree with our last guy. I don't want to do that because I'm building towards something. So I disagree with him, but it was a different kind of plan, that's for sure. Junior Canales writes, Pete Nevin, this is my plan for what the Mets should do this offseason. Extend Pete Alonso, eight years, 210. Sign Yamamoto, seven years, 184. I think it's going to cost more than that. Sign Jack Flaherty, two years, 30 million. Sign Matt Moore, two years, 15 million. Sign Lucas Giolito, two years, 30 million. Sign J.D. Martinez, one year, 15 million. I have two trades. Oh, I hate this one. Juan Soto for Jet Williams, Kevin Parada, and Alex Ramirez. You freaking crazy. No. No, no gracias. This one's interesting, though. Okay, this one I do. This this is the second trade I would do. Not sure the White Sox would. Vientos and Vassal for Dylan Cease. Okay. Now nah, we're talking. I'll be up for that. Look, be honest. It, it, the reason you make a trade like that for anyone who wants to pro, because I, I know I don't want to trade prospects. So you'd say, well, what are you talking about? If Mike Vassal turns in to what Dylan Cease is right now, we'd be pretty happy. Dylan Cease is 27 years old, and he's a free agent in three more years. So like I said, you're giving me a guy with team control pass this season. I'm giving up Mark Vientos, who I don't know what the hell he is, and Mike Vassell, who if he turns into Dylan Cease, we'd be pretty happy. Dylan Cease is young enough where I don't know if we know his upside yet, even though 2022 he was freaking awesome. I mean, almost won the Cy Young. But he's... Early returns a younger Aaron Nola in that he's made 32 starts three straight years. He's had an average year, a dominant year, and a very, very mediocre season. But all the while, makes 32 starts and throws 180 innings. So I look at Dylan Cease as a controllable, cheaper, younger, maybe even up a, high, a higher upside Aaron Nola. So I would make that trade. That's a good trade, Junior. And C seems like he's on the block. I just saw something that like the the the, the order of teams that would be interested in in Cease and like the Mets were somewhere like on seventh or eighth on the list of the teams that are like really interested. So he seems like he's someone that is attainable. Yes, and he's a guy I'd be interested in for a myriad of reasons: age, controllability, reliability. I, I th- there is a value to guys that take the baseball every five days. And that's why whenever we talk about Aaron Nola, I don't want to put him down too much because he does that, and that's a great attribute to have. I just don't think Aaron Nola is going to fit the contract he gets. That, that's really what it comes down to. He's going to get, I, I think he's going to get close to $200 million, if I had to guess. So, yeah, Dylan Cease in a trade, and I have every reason to believe the White Sox would trade him. You pointed that out just based on where they are right now. You know, they're probably looking at last year's disaster saying, man, we got to just cash the hell out. And if they're going to do that, I'll tell you another guy I'd call about. Another guy where I would be willing to trade big prospects for because of their controllability, and that's Luis Robert Jr. Now, I'm not saying the White Sox are going to trade him, 
but he had a very solid year last year in almost 40 home runs, played just about every single day. He signed to a very affordable deal. That's the kind of deal, like, you're telling me you'd have to give up three, four big prospects, but you're getting back Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr.? Let's talk. Now we're having a conversation. I am more willing to trade big prospects in a deal like that than I am for Juan Soto. And you can justify trading away Jet Williams for someone with the last name Robert, who's close to Roberts, and get that jersey for Jet. <laughs> so you think my hesitation to trade Jet Williams is because he shares the name of my son? Is that what you think? Well, I, isn't isn't Jet a big fan of his already too? He is. No, I mean, he absolutely is. Because when I told him, "Hey, the Mets drafted a guy with your name," he was very excited. But besides that, because yeah, as a father, obviously, I want my kid to be happy. Jet Williams, just think about what he is as a baseball player, the way he's been described to us. He is going to own this town. When you are as tiny, and I know that's like an offensive kind of word to use to, to describe him. Like, I don't think Jose Altuve wants to be referred to as tiny, but Jet Williams is listed at 5'6". Listed. They say he's five foot six, and the guy has a little bit of pop, he plays like his ass is on fire. He performs at a high level at the major league level because obviously you have to perform. Jet Williams will be a, a, a the most popular Met. Like he'll blow everybody away. So it's not just the first name that he has. It's the idea of him. And he's still only 20 years old, man. Well, well think about this. I mean, you compare him. Who's one of the most, in the, over the past 10 years, who's one of the most prominent names in baseball? Besides Judge, besides Otani, who's Altuve? He's Altuve. He, yeah. I mean, he really is. Like, he's 5'6". He's got more pop than you realize at that size. Position-wise, I'm not sure where he's going to end up. He's a shortstop. He's played center field. I don't think he's actually played any second base. I think it's been mostly shortstop and center field. Look, where does he end up? He probably ends up in center field. You know, Brandon Nimmo is not long for the world in center field. He's going to end up as a corner outfielder. Uh, Luis Angel Acuna, I think, ends up everywhere. If I had to guess, I think he ends up as super utility. Question is, where does Ronnie Mauricio end up? Now, does he end up at third base? Does he end up as a super utility? Or does he end up being traded? Look, if you're talking about a trade for Luis Robert and Dylan Cease, Ronnie Mauricio's name is in that kind of trade. And that that's, look, what I want to make clear about this is that's the kind of trade where, yes, I would talk about names like that. You have to. But when you're talking about one-year rentals, potentially you re-sign them, but there's no guarantee. I don't believe the Mets right now going into this offseason are in that kind of position. 